Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book 3, Fire, Chapter 6, The Avatar and the Fire Lord, which I need to say, just right out of the shoot, is an exciting title. Oh, yeah. This is a dense episode, Sam. Yeah, this, I, I'm trying to think, I think episode one of this season, we sort of joked how much of it is like exposition dumps. And then this was like, oh, do you want to see what an exposition dump is? <laughs> this whole episode is that, and I'm here for it. I I think that that's what I want. I want more, because what we get is a ton of history. Yeah. We're thinking about, it's not just exposition, but it's, but it's exposition history uh, stuff. And it's great. And I will say when I saw this title, um, I was thinking weird. We're already getting to Ang and and Ozai because that would yeah. be the Avatar and the Fire Lord. I was not prepared for where this headed. Um, now I will say this also felt like, um, and this this part can be positive or negative, and and I and I want to think about this as we maybe get as we get to the end of this episode. Just come back to this question. But you could, for the first time, I think, in the whole run of the show, you could feel them starting to turn the ship towards endgame. Mm. To be like, okay, we are now setting up where this is going to go and how this is going to end. Because the first, uh, the first five episodes of this season, I mean, we're doing 80s movies. We're doing all this stuff. <laughs> we're pushing plot forward. There's some truly great episodes where revealing things about characters and stuff like the beach. We have Sokka's master, which is one of my favorite episodes, I think. But now it's like, Oh yeah, let's start to all these pieces that we've been laying. Now let's start to add to that, add to the, the things that are going to be the stuff in this episode are things that are going to be important when we get to episodes 19 and 20 of this season. I, I'm just certain of that. Yeah. Um, so, so it's the, it's the first turn towards end game, I think. Yeah, I think so too. It's also nice coming out of like, uh, last week, actually kind of this whole season has been a lot of digging up history. And I think we didn't get a lot of that in season one and some of it in season two with Zuko alone, but for the most part, it was like, everything is happening in the present. We are on Aang's journey. And now it feels a lot more like we are, it's a larger journey than that. We're learning things about their past. That's not just like sitting around at the beach and talking about <laughs> family feelings. Struggles, yeah. Right? right. But this is like structural, like who are you like actually getting into identity with both Zuko and Aang. Uh, and then I also really like it because like you said, this is like a history textbook. Like it's, I mean, we teach history. It's like listening to or reading primary sources that are like slightly competing, but mm -hmm. at the same time you absolutely need both sides in order to understand like the full picture. Um, and then you have like, we hear Iroh talk for the first time this season. Like there's just a lot going on. And I, I do agree as far as like tone shift, it seemed like it was fun at the start. And now it's like, Oh, we're getting serious. Key is in the ignition. Like we are headed towards Sozin's Comet. Yeah, and and I think that that history stuff you're right is also like where the world building gets really great because you can world build like they do in season one, where it is we're going to actually explore this world, but then you also get into the spirit world is kind of the religion of this world, which we see in season one and two, 
But now we're getting into a little bit more of the history. And again, this it's the stuff that interests me the most. It, it's almost too bad that it's like recent history. That yeah. I, the, the, the weird part about this story, and you know, maybe this is something that they will build out with Avatar Studios and stuff, but like there are hundreds if not thousands of years of history that this story rests on or at least points to so like mm-hmm. that stuff would just be would be really really interesting so this is yeah. a this is a taste we get it made me want like an origins series of kind of like all the the older kind of the old guard that we've met um mm-hmm. and and it left me wanting to sit in the world of like 90 maybe not 90 years yeah more than that oh my gosh like 100 mm-hmm. 100 plus years ago where this story is um kind of like reading harry potter and they go in the pensieve and they like see the past or uh like <laughs> a christmas carol or something where it's like right. these alternate universes or these like um different paths that you could go or, or how things might have changed if one little thing in the past was different Right, absolutely. All right, let's jump into the summary because um, yes. we got a, we have a lot to unpack here. This is a very talky episode, so a lot of what I have in my notes are just <laughs> these long quotes of Avatar Roku telling stories <laughs> or Sozin telling stories. So, all right, so the story opens on fire, and we see coming from behind the fire the uh, the shadow that is Avatar Roku that's sort of walking up through the fire. And he says, Aang, it's time you learned my history with the Fire Lord Sozin. You need to understand how the war began if you want to end it. Meet me on my home island on the day of the summer solstice. And then we see Aang in bed and he's sort of dreaming this. And he says, okay, Roku, uh, as he's sort of sleep talking. That's quite an opening. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was like, okay, yep, we're ready. Let's do yeah, it. and and they lay out like, okay, what is this episode going to be about? Because you have that title, and he's already saying, okay, so this is going to be about the Avatar and the Fire Lord in the past. And he even says, you need to learn the history, and that yeah. and that knowing the history is going to unlock how to end the war. Right, right. And when you talk about this being like towards a turning point or kind of towards wrapping up the story, it's like. That I my big question when I first watched the episode was like, why now? Like, if Roku could do this at any point, why is he choosing now to reach out and say, like, let's talk about your history? Now is the time. But I think you're right. Like, it's because the timeline is so short. It's right before, like, maybe even like the eve of, or we don't really know the timeline, but it's it's nearing this battle. Um, yeah. Well, it, and, and, and entering the spirit world too. Right. Right. And. And we have um, a piece of timing here because we, we're going to see that they're going to go to this island the next day. So the next day is the summer solstice. Mm-hmm. So Aang first talks with Roku on the winter solstice. So it has been six months have passed since um, Heibai and Avatar Roku and uh, you know the that episode that that episode and those things happening. So we have a sense of how much ground we've covered in how much time. Um, mm-hmm. With this, the summer solstice is also so. So maybe there's something significant about the solstice mm-hmm. and Aang's ability to communicate with Roku differently somehow on the solstice. And presumably, as somebody from the Fire Nation, the solstice, summer solstice, would be a strong point for them because that's the mm-hmm. longest day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the the most sun. <laughs> um, yeah. 
That makes so, a lot of sense for like a day of the year that you would be able to permeate kind of between like into the spirit world. Like maybe there's just a certain time yeah. you can do that. Yeah, it, I think it is significant that both of these extended experiences with Roku happen on the solstice. Although Roku seems like he can pop in and out when he wants. <laughs> but then again, he's the avatar and he is Aang. So like, that's the other thing as we go through this story we need to remember is Aang is learning Roku's history. But he's actually learning his own history because he is he is Roku. And the number of times I had to remind myself of that and had my mind kind of bent by that uh, is is uncountable. <laughs> So we so we we see Aang having this dream, and then we cut to right from Aang in bed to Zuko in bed, and we see that he hears footsteps, um, which wake him, and he goes out to see who's there. No one's there, but in the hall, um, he finds a scroll, uh, and as he reads the scroll, it says, "You need to know the story of your great grandfather's demise. It will reveal your own destiny." So. Mm-hmm keyword of destiny in there this is you know we ended season two with crossroads of destiny and iroh talking about zuko's uh zuko being at this crossroads of destiny mm-hmm. point um, and a keyword i think of demise too the i like there comes into question like how does he die or like what's the end of the story you know like where why is it a demise and Zuko has to consider that. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So. Well, and 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 this idea that you need to know the story, which mm-hmm. implies that there, um, that there's a story to tell, mm-hmm. and that maybe this is not the story that has been told in the past. Because if we think back to Zuko, some of the flashbacks, and I think it's in Zuko alone, we see that they are trained in the history of the Fire Nation in their family. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that. Um, Azulon is testing young um, Azula and and Zuko on is the history of the Fire Nation. So, and we in in the headband we see the kids learning the history of the war in the Fire Nation. So they have been taught something, but this is seeming to imply there's something more to the story you need to know. Mm-hmm. So uh, from here we see Aang uh, and the rest of his friends flying on Appa with uh, like the Appa cloud uh, with uh, Aang bending the cloud around them. And they approach Roku's home island, which is completely barren. It's, it seems like a relatively small island um, with a mountain in the middle of it, but it's completely barren. And Toph jumps onto the ground and says that there's a village of hundreds of houses uh, buried in ash underneath them. Uh, that's pretty dark. Like, yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking about, she can sense people walking on Earth. I wonder if she could sense, like, bodies. Sure. Yeah. Because she can sense tunnels. She could sense the library. Like, it, what I assume, though, is to a degree, it's sort of like uh, anyone else with hearing or with vision, right? That you can if you think about how much you can see at any given point, how are you not overwhelmed by that? Mm. But so I wonder if she, she must be able to tune things out because there is a whole world underneath you. Yeah. Yes. True. And hopefully if there were bodies, she could tune that out. <laughs> she doesn't yes. mention it. She doesn't mention it. Right. She just taught, I mean, so this, this gives sort of, um, Shades of like the history of Pompeii and Mount Vesuvius, mm. you know that that there and, and, and there there is bodies, right? That this is this this volcano that 
hit rapidly and just buried this whole, froze this whole civilization in time. So it's interesting to think that this is Roku's home island and mm-hmm. it is buried in ash. Uh, and we'll obviously see that this becomes part, uh, an integral part of this story. Um, so there we, from there we cut to uh, the Fire Lord's palace and we see Zuko who's in a ro- uh, room with huge portraits of past Fire Lords. Um, and we see him looking up at, uh, at one of those, which I presume is Sozin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Uh, and as he's looking up at it, uh, Azula walks in and she says, it's never too early for us sitting with the court painter, Zuko, make sure he gets your good side. And from here we get this paired with a really great, uh, visual. I was going to say, I always want to say camera, even though there's not actually a camera, but the, there's a Zuko's often shot in like half face. Mm-hmm. So it starts with him with his, uh, his right side, the unscarred side. And as she says that she walks behind him and the camera pans with her. So when she says, make sure you get, he gets your good side. You, then we get just the scarred half of, of Zuko's yeah. face. So uh, such a loaded phrase too, as we go on with the story. Exactly. Well, and as we already know about Zuko, that, 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 that he has this, he has a good side and an evil. So, I mean, we've seen that sort of throughout this, um, part of the end of season two points to that. Um, so Zuko asks her what she remembers about their great grandfather's history. And Azula says, it's so strange how your mind works. Fire Lord Sozin began the war, of course. He spent his early years secretly preparing for it. But he was as patient as he was clever. He famously waited for the comet, later renamed Sozin's Comet, and used its power to launch his full-scale invasion of the world. In the end, he died a very old and successful man. But how did he die? Zuko asks. And Azula says, didn't you pay any attention in school? He died peacefully in his sleep. He was ancient. (laughs) So this is really interesting um, because if we think back to Zuko alone, when they're being tested about the history of the war and things like this, Azula was the best student uh, you know, compared to Zuko, like, like, even though she's younger, she knew all of the answers to sort of the history of the fire nation questions. And Zuko struggled with that. So we get this call back to that, but we also see that she herself has potentially absorbed propaganda. Right. And I, I thought she would be a little too savvy for some of that, but um, it, she recites it so easily that it's like, that's, that's ingrained. I guess we, we also don't know what she has access to because let's not mm. forget at the, in the beach episode, it's not just Zuko who's sent away, but Azula is sent away as well. So as a child, she may not, she actually may not know. She may not have access to her father to the degree, even though she's the favored child, she may, she may still also be at a distance from him, but just closer than Zuko, or at least perceived to be closer than Zuko. Now, mm. Another interesting thing about this is uh, when I first watched this, like we don't know who sent Zuko that, that note about learning this history. So it's interesting to, I mean, I was thinking like, is she playing an angle here? Like she happens to be here when he's starting to do this. And when he asked the questions, she's like, Oh, it's so interesting how your mind works. And it's like, 
is she saying that because she set up this situation? Like, so, so I don't know what he's going to learn. Yep. Yeah. And I thought that was really well done. I also, I mean, it adds to the same question of like, does she know more than she's letting on? Is she just reciting something? But like, she is so good at telling things about people like she's so good at understanding things even when it's like they're playing the beach volleyball game and she like notices things and knows about someone's past and it's like if she's that good at observing i would just think that she would likely be able to sift through at least some propaganda perhaps or maybe know some more that she doesn't want zuko to know but i don't know right right no and then that's what's fun is we as we're actually plopped into this kind of like Zuko, like, we don't know. And, and I'm sure Zuko's wondering, did she send the letter? Like, yeah. like, you know, so th- I think that's that, that it really is this, this great moment that can fly by quickly, but it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty important, uh, interesting moment. Uh, so from here, we cut back to Aang and he's sitting on this kind of jutting rock, uh, on Roku's Island and he's sitting there meditating. And as he does, his tattoos light up and we see that he enters the spirit world. So we see Aang, uh, in the spirit world, we see Aang sitting on this plateau that's up in the clouds. So it's like this mountain peak with a flat top, and he's sitting there meditating in the clouds. And then we see Roku's uh, red dragon fly up to him. So we know, like, okay, he Roku <laughs> said, hey, meet me there, and, and now they have met. From here, we cut to, uh, to Zuko, uh, and he's lying in bed, and he keeps staring at that scroll that he got. Uh, and he asks out loud, what does it mean? And he, in, in frustration, he tosses the scroll over a lamp. Um, and the heat from the lamp causes this invisible ink that's also on the scroll to become visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and he reads uh, what, the, what the, the hidden message says. And it says, the fire sages keep the secret history in the dragon bone catacombs. Um, so... so I, Go ahead. Uh, this isn't Goonies. This isn't Goonies. But it is like a treasure hunt. You know, the tone, tone-wise, it's all wrong. There's nothing about this that's Goonies. But it reminded me of like Indiana Jones, like h- hidden tunnels. We'll see like things set ablaze randomly throughout the mm-hmm. trail. There's like secret inscriptions on items. And, and we're getting like digging into history and archaeology and like studying the past. I'm all for this. I'm s- I was geeking out. Well, and I, I love a secret history because I mean we yeah. were just talking about this is the propaganda version of the story, but then there is the sense that even the Fire Nation keeps track of the other history, the secret history. So that's really interesting to think about. I will say I also thought about um, uh, you're maybe more high-minded. Believe it or not, you're maybe even more more high-minded when you think <laughs> of Indiana Jones or Goonies. Because all I could think of was um, in the office when Dwight Schrute sends the memo out that also has the invisible ink on it. Because it's one of those things where I, I always feel this is weird in movies. This often happens with like anagrams in movies. Mm. It's like, how was he supposed to figure out that he was supposed to heat this to find the, to find the, the sort of invisible writing? And I feel that way. I just a couple weeks ago in video store, we watched Silence of the Lambs and there's mm. anagram stuff in there. And you're like, how was how was somebody supposed to know that was an anagram that you needed to unscramble? So there is this sort of fortunate thing that he happens to accidentally set it on this lamp, yes. which heats it up. So, I mean, something, the first thing, truly, if I'm being honest, the first thing I thought of was National Treasure. Okay. And the, le- the lemon juice 
and yes. the, the hair dryer on the constitution. So whatever, or whatever declaration, that's what they steal. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think that takes the worst role, right? That's, that's, yeah, the worst one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, it, <laughs> but, but it, it is that kind of thing, but even that, I mean, that's a perfect example. Is it, uh, I mean, I'll throw another piece of sort of trashy stuff out there. It's it's very it's very like Da Vinci Code, right? That there's yeah. the history and the secret history, and you can maybe, you know, so so it, if this is going to go in a direction like that a little bit, I'm on board for it because although oh, yeah. the, although those things are trashy, they're like they're really fun. Oh my gosh, yeah! Give me conspiracy. I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, so so he learns that there is this secret history in the uh in the Dragonbone catacombs. So we cut from there to an exterior of what I presume is the catacombs and it's at night and we see a fire sage stand on this kind of ornate circle that's on the ground and he bends fire to unlock this sort of an staircase that's underneath him. So it's like the 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 tiles or the stones or whatever when he when he bends fire like they kind of turn and all of a sudden there's this spiral staircase underneath him um that he goes down um so so then there's yeah it is very cool. cool and we see that zuko is hiding behind a pillar watching this so then some time elapses and zuko does the same thing and descends the staircase into the catacombs and he walks down this sort of firelit hallway up to a statue of a fire Lord, which I presume is Sozin, but it could be mm-hmm. anybody. Um, I just assume every old fire Lord is Sozin, <laughs> but it could be anybody. Yeah. Uh, and he puts his hand on the, there's on like the statues, like wearing kind of this medallion and he puts his hand on it. And all of a sudden the like face of the fire Lord, the eyes and the mouth light up with, uh, with flames and the statue slides away to reveal a doorway into a hidden room. So this does feel very Goonies, Indiana Jonesy. <laughs> yes. Um, so he, so Zuko walks into this room and sees this big dragon statue surrounded, uh, surrounding it are are what I assume are boxes with scrolls in them. Because later we're going to see him reading a scroll, but these look like so. I presume that, but they're covered in cobwebs, so clearly no one has been here. Hmm. Um. And he reads a title that says the final testament of fire Lord Sozin. And we see him reach for it. um, And as he reaches for it, we get this hard cut to Aang reaching. Uh, And we're in the spirit world and we see Aang reach out to Roku's hand and they fly off on his dragon. Um, And Roku explains that they're going to visit their shared past. So it's this, this is, this show has had so much doubling. This episode has so much (laughs) doubling, but that cut is sort of telling us we're not going to even like jump back and forth between these stories. We're going to, they're just going to be the one story. They're both learning woven together from two different narrators. Yes. And it's our shared past, meaning all four of them. Yes. And there's so many points where I like, thought to myself young Roku seems like young Aang young Sozin seems like Zuko don't you think like there are some some of the words that they say talking about like uh we'll we'll get there but talking about destiny or even like how they're playful or serious like it just there's a lot of matching yes I will uh, but but I, I want to I want to push back because I think it's better than that Mm. I will say I think young Roku and young Aang, there is a lot of overlap. Mm. 
but I think it's better than that because I actually think when I think about Sozin, I think about him as having elements of Zuko, but also yeah. having elements of Azula, but also having like other things as well. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't have liked it if it, if it was like, Oh, these young Roku actually seems like he's just Aang and young Sozin mm-hmm. seems like he's just, Zuko. I wouldn't have liked that if, he, mm-hmm. if they just, but there, there's this sense where it's like, Oh, I see in the same way. If you think about, you know, um, how people in your family who might be, not closely related, but they, they, they share a lineage. You're like, Oh, I notice you have this quality and this person way over here has this same characteristic, the same quality. There's sort of that where it's like, yeah, I, I, I see the resemblance. And I think, I think they actually do that pretty well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that, yes. It makes me think like, Oh, when, when Zuko talks about destiny or whatever, that's like, so Sozin of him or like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there's these points of time where it's like, they're very much similar, but yeah, not, yeah. not the full time for sure. But we're also, like I said, we're also going to see Sozin sure have a lot of Azula in him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sure. yeah. All right. So uh, we, we, we cut from Roku saying we're going to visit our shared past back to Zuko and he's sitting reading Sozin's last Testament. So here's what he reads. It says, he says, so this is in Sozin's voice. I feel my own life dimming. I can't help but think of a time when everything was so much brighter. And we see two young teen boys uh, in a courtyard of the palace, kind of playfully sparring with firebending. And he continues, I remember my friend. We see one of them trip on a tree root um, and the other, so the other finally gets the better of him. Uh, And we see that, 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 this is young Sozin is the one who seems to be winning this fight. And he says, it looks like I win again, Roku. And at this point you're like, Oh my gosh, like that's the two of them. Um, and young Roku says, are you kidding me? The tree root did all the work. Uh, and then we see that spirit ghost, Aang and Roku are looking on and Aang is shocked that Roku and Sozin were friends. And Roku says back then he was just Prince Sozin and he was my best friend. And at this point, we see a pretty girl walk past young Sozin and Roku, and Roku is clearly smitten. And we see Sozin try to get him to say something to her, uh, but he can't muster up the words. Then old Roku says, love is hard when you're young. And Aang says, you don't have to tell me. And Roku says, don't worry, it gets better. Now come with me, we have a party to attend. So interesting. I mean, I thought that, like, re-watching this episode, Sam, I forgot so many of these things. But, yes, so I forgot one of the big things. I thought that avatars couldn't love. It is interesting because we're at, we're going to see in a moment this sense that Roku has to sort of give up worldly possessions. Mm. But then yes. later we're going to see him marry presumably have a family we don't see that but why not um we're gonna see that he has a house that he has so so it is it's 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 very interesting i don't quite we don't know the rules of avatar maybe in your training you're supposed to begin by foregoing those things yeah i don't know it it made me confused (laughs) I, i i was like i thought this whole time that ang's big i mean it is a struggle for sure and he's like told he's been told by 
the guru that he has to like let go of his romantic love and um and like that will help him to be to like become the avatar he needs to be but yeah to and i wonder too like if they had more time and space to develop it or if we had a little bit more of roku's story perhaps like part of that tying yourself down having a family and like having this island that he lived on that's like kind of away from like the rest of the fire nation like maybe some of these actions made things worse or like could have added to a downfall sure. i don't know yeah no i think that that's i think that's really interesting to think about now what i like about this scene and where i know this goes is the setup for this is a story that i would not have liked but it felt like it was going there because you see these two young teen boys who are best friends but also like to compete with each other you see this girl and it's like please do not make this story do not make the the history of all of this hinge on like a fight over a girl <laughs> and then when you see when you see uh sozin like trying to encourage him like go talk to her it's like you're like oh good like i don't think that's where this is headed and we'll see we'll see that's where it's it's that is not where it headed because that would have been there there are so many moments in this episode as they steer towards Endgame, there's so many moments where where I felt like, oh, don't do, don't fall into this trap. There's a potential trap here, and it's like they set it up to make you feel like they were going to, and then it's like, nope, don't worry, it's this is not that. This yes. is not the the conflict that's eventually going to be there is not the conflict over a girl. Yeah, and it's like, no, this is smarter than that. <laughs> I mean, truly, it's like this is not that easy or simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also loved the the little the little mini conversation at the end about love is hard when you're young and Roku says, don't worry, it gets better. Um, because I also think like, this is a show for kids, but it's also a show that sort of appealed to, to um, young teens and teens. And there is this sense of like, like that's a good message to send to be like, yeah, this is like, this whole thing is hard and complicated, but don't worry. It gets, I mean, yeah. Aang needs to hear that. And I feel like the audience probably it doesn't hurt for for them to hear a wise old avatar say it, it's okay it gets better yeah for sure <laughs> um, so um, so Roku says we have a party to attend so we cut to a uh, a Fire Nation party still in this past um, and we see old Roku saying uh, Sozin and I shared many many things including a birthday. And we see the two teens walking into a cheering crowd. And there are, there are two girls, one of them, the girl that Roku liked, and they're looking on uh, and Roku's crush is blushing and Roku is blushing. Um, and he starts to go, as he starts to go down the stairs, he trips, but Sozin catches him and sort of saves him from embarrassment, mm. which is also like a major foreshadowing moment for something that's going to happen at the end. Um, so that's an important thing to hold on to. Now, one of the things as we think about this party, which is going to be this pivotal moment, um, and it's something you mentioned uh, at the very beginning of this episode, this definitely has a Ghost of Christmas Past feel to it, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Like, like they go to a party and they're like sitting on the edges and watching everyone mingle. Uh, yes. For and sure. what's, in what's interesting is we see Aang is the one who's going back. With, you know, with the spirit guide, just like in the Christmas Carol, although Zuko is too, because Zuko's getting, we don't see him there because he's not in the spirit world, but he's, 
he's reading this and I am moved by, uh, I think an important line not to miss is at the very beginning of Zuko reading, he says, I, um, I feel my whole life dimming. I can't help but think of a time when everything was so much brighter. Mm. So there is, so if, if we are learning about Sozin's demise and Sozin's end, this last Testament is written, uh, longing for a past longing yeah. for a time when life was simpler. So I think that's worth hanging on to as well. And also this is Sozin's last Testament. So this is the last thing he wants to say and look what he's reflecting on. He's reflecting on this early time with his best friend, Roku. So let's not forget that this, he was not writing this. This is not like a chapter in his memoir. This is the last thing that he writes. And as he's, as this world is fading from him, this is what he goes back to. Mm. So we're at this party uh, and we see in walk a group of fire sages. And Sozin assumes that they're coming to tell him something about his father. And he's understandably concerned, you know, like that maybe something happened to his father. And the sage says, no, Prince Sozin, we're not here for you. We are here to announce the identity of the next avatar. It's our honor to serve you, Avatar Roku. And they bow down, and the crowd gasps, and Roku looks down in shock as everyone now is bowing, and even Sozin bows down mm. at this point. Um, which, if you were to describe the character of young Sozin at this point, how would you describe him? He seemed kind of like a bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> A young guy. I don't charismatic, um, mm-hmm. friendly, like yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I mean he he he, he seems he seems like a like a jock, but like a likable guy. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, and and I think it's really interesting that he when when this is announced, he's happy for his friend. He mm. bows down to him as the um, as the as the avatar. So like. It's like it's a classy move because I also was I also was prepared for oh is he jealous because he's the the future fire lord and then he just found out that his best friend is like kind of like god. <laughs> it's like oh well that's because honestly like being the avatar it's it's got to be a one-upping oh. to and that's not how he approaches this at all. Yeah, especially I mean like these are boys that are born on the same day. Like they share a birthday like from childhood like that is that's probably got to be like the most competitive start to to your friendship is like you're both born on the same day. Kind of everything you do is like compared to one another. And then if they're born on the same day like there is a chance that maybe Sozin would have been Avatar, right? Like a lot of it has to do with your birthday, which we'll learn again mm-hmm. later. And uh, so it's like, yeah, like there's these two these two paths that could have gone on, and he could have been a jerk about it, and he could have been angry and jealous, or even like understandably jealous, but he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I like, even though I know he's Sozin and I know where this is headed, like I like him. Yeah. Yeah, like he For seems sure. like he seems like a good friend. <laughs> Yes, helping him win over the this like love interest and like being there for him, bowing down to him, like yeah, yeah, it was like really solid friendship. Well, and 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 again, like even when he starts to trip down the stairs, like he like 
Like the 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 jerky bully guy would be like let his friend fall and laugh at him, but instead it's like, nope, I'm actually going to save you in this moment and we're going to enjoy this together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that what's that thing that twins have like what's that phrase that people use for twins where it's like they have like telepathy or whatever like they can like mm-hmm. sense each other i feel like it's that like they're born on the same day it's like they're both kind of like one and the same person they can so much so that they can like sense each other's things like oh you're clearly interested in her or oh i i saw you were about to fall so i grabbed you it's like they're so close they're like right twins. right they're in tune with each other right so we cut back to zuko in the catacombs and he continues to read so we hear Sozin say, uh, soon the day came when my friend Roku had to leave the Fire Nation and face his destiny as Avatar. He needed to travel the world so he could master the other elements. Uh, and we see a profile shot of, Zo- of Zuko reading, um, and it snaps to a flashback of the same profile shot of Roku. Mm-hmm. which I didn't notice the first time I watched this. Yeah. Because because this show loves to do the thing where it it fades or snaps from one shot to another of characters that it's pairing. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that it doesn't snap to Sozin, who you think, well that's the identifying character for for Zuko, but it snaps to Roku. That they're the one sharing the shot. I that that like screamed out at me when I saw that. And thought, well, that's really yeah. really interesting. I had not noticed that at all. Uh, so we see Sozin walk in, and he says, "Hey, why aren't you packed yet, all powerful Avatar? Come on, show me how it's done using all f- four kinds of bending." And we see Sozin kind of mimic the bending moves, um, so we can see that he's like happy for his friend, as we were talking about. And Roku looks on depressed, and he says, "I started packing." But then the fire sages told me I wouldn't need any worldly possessions anymore. It happened so fast. Everything's going to be different now. This made me think of Aang mm. and all of the struggles he had about like not wanting to be the avatar, like denying that identity, denying that destiny. Um, and you realize maybe this is a common thing for the avatar. Maybe there's a Kiyoshi moment where she also was like, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't want this because it's always going to come on somebody who's a child. Yeah. Yeah. And it also made me think about Aang and that Aang learned, people said maybe too early, right? Like the concern was that he learned as a 12 year old and here we have, oh, did it say what year? I presume they're like 16 or something. Right. Like 16 to 18, somewhere in there, like later teen years. And it made me think like, what would be the harder parts of being an older teen and experiencing that versus a younger child. And it's like, at least Aang lived in a community where it's like, maybe it's even easier to be an air avatar just because you're already so used to discipline and to like getting rid of worldly um, pleasures and possessions and like living a more altruistic life versus this kid who grew up and it seems like he's in a pretty affluent community Mm -hmm. like he's friends with the future fire lord probably has dreams about where his life is gonna go right right and it it wasn't that and and like even just this love interest that we we meet at the start it's like all of these things are flashing in front of him of like is this all the future that i thought i had as a 16 17 year old is now gone and i think in some cases it might be easier to (laughs) i mean less heartbreak maybe to learn when you're younger i don't know 
Absolutely. And, and it's so interesting to think of like, oh, it's interesting that Aang and Roku have the same reaction. Here's one of those moments where I need to remind myself they're the same person. Well, of course yeah. they <laughs> like, maybe this is part of what part of being the avatar is the denial of this, which goes all the way back to episode two of this show. when We talked about Joseph Campbell, that that's part of the, like the call of the hero is the denial of it to be like, mm. like I didn't want this. I don't want this. And then you need to sort of overcome that and be, and realize that this actually is, is like a call for me. Mm. So we see, we see Sozin sit down next to Roku and he takes off the, a crown is the only word I can think of. It's it sort of like covers the the top bun in his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he takes it off uh, and he says, "Here, I hope you're at least allowed to have this." And Roku says, "This is a royal artifact, and it's supposed to be worn by the crown prince." And Sozin says, "I want you to have it." So we see Roku put it on, and the two friends bow to each other, sort of, sort of as this sign of respect and probably their goodbye. Right. And who knows if they'll ever see each other again. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, we cut back to Zuko reading. Um, and then we get this hard cut uh, to like this. And with like this comic kind of stinger sound. Um, and we see the shocked faces of Sokka, Katara, and Toph as they see Aang, who is deep in the spirit world. Right. He, they're, they're looking at his body, but Aang is not there. Um, and they see him stand up and sort of squat. And I will tactfully say, seem like he's exerting himself. <laughs> it's like, yes, it's like watching somebody do VR and they just look so ridiculous and it's hilarious. Um, and and Katara asks, do they have bathrooms in the spirit world? And Sokka says, as a matter of fact, they do not, which is funny because we remember he has been there. Mm-hmm. So, yes, so I he laughed out loud. <laughs> yes, that was a great callback. And this is an episode that doesn't have a lot of comedy in it. So, I think the fact that we have this moment is kind of helpful and in and important. And it also like we're not going to see those characters very much in this episode. So, it is funny to think about. They go to this island with him, and who knows how long he's in this state and there, and it is, it could not be a more abandoned Island mm. and they just have to sit there and watch him do this. <laughs> and they're not privy to what's happening. Right. So from here, we cut back to the spirit world and we see that Ang's squat is in fact, him sitting on Roku's dragon as it flies <laughs> over the grounds, <clears throat> over the clouds. And Ang notices that they are almost to the Southern air temple. And Roku says, this was the first stop on my avatar journey. It was the place where I was trained to be, to master airbending. And also where I met an old friend of yours, monk Gyatsu. Um, so here we see Gyatsu and Roku dressed up and they're both dressed as air nomad monks. And they're kind of joking around together. So we see them fly on gliders. They trade tricks Gyatso air, su- air surfs on its glider and Spirit Aang is like, oh, I can't believe I never thought of that. That's such a good idea. So I hope, well, Aang doesn't have a glider anymore. I was going to say, I hope we see him do that, but <laughs> he doesn't have his glider. Um, then we see Gyatso fall and Roku catches him on his glider and they playfully crash, um, crash land together. Uh, and 
Aang says, that's amazing. I can't believe you were friends with Monkey Yatsu just like I was. And Roku says, some friends are so strong that they can even transcend lifetimes. And they fly off. I love that. I think what you said earlier about the like the little nugget of truth that was dropped for like young people in love, like this is this is for like older people, <laughs> mm-hmm. like the people who have lost or who, yes, are, there's distance between people. It's like oh, some friendships are so strong it transcends lifetimes. That's beautiful. Well, and this this led me to think um, transcends lifetimes. Does it also transcend generations? Mm. because we all we obviously already know i mean we know that roku is literally ang right i mean he's the reincarnation ang is the reincarnation of roku and we know that to a degree zuko is the um not the reincarnation of sozin but is you know in the lineage of him so it, it leads you to ask that question like can the the power of that friendship stretch across lifetimes yeah. in that way. So this seems yeah. like a mission statement for this episode. And um, I, I feel like this, this episode has a lot of, again, laying track for where we're headed. So like that's one to just hold on to. Some friendships are strong enough that they can even transcend lifetimes. I feel like we're going to hear that come back. I know we're going to hear it come back in this episode because I've seen the episode, but I feel like as we get to the end of this season, we're going to, we're going to see that come back as well. Yeah. It also made me rethink some of Gyatsu's choices too. Like before I was like, Oh, he like really likes Aang. I guess they just have some connection or bond. And now it's like, Oh, okay. This is your friend. Like this is somebody that you knew. And then to like care for him so intently when he's learning that he is the avatar. Like he didn't know in those first 12 years, perhaps that Aang was like, or did he? Because Aang no. chose. He chose. Oh, that. do they do they learn it really early and then just not tell them? Is that the idea? That's what I was thinking. Because remember, it was like the what he grabs for. Oh right. It was like a sign of of him being a past or him with the past avatars in him. So it's like he might have known, or like I don't. It's hard to know, right? But probably like, did. Prob he probably did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that friendship was there and he's like caring for his friend in a new form. It was kind of interesting. Wow. That kind of blows my mind to think about if you knew that this child you were functionally raising was the actual incarnation of this friend of yours. Like that's really fascinating to think about. Yeah. Yep. Wild. Wow. That, that part hadn't, hadn't clicked with me. Um, so uh, from there, we uh, we jump to the North Pole, and Roku says, after many years of mastering airbending, now it's important he says many years, because Aang is doing this all in the course of a year, um, I traveled to the Northern Water Tribe. Waterbending was especially a challenge for me, but in time I mastered it as well. And we see Roku sparring on an iceberg, and at first he's knocked back into the water, um, and then he creates this huge wave that washes his opponent all the way back to the city. So we see like, it's a, this moment where he's, where we see the degree to, to his, of his power in terms of mm-hmm. water bending. And there we fade then to Roku, um, young Roku dressed as a shirtless earthbender. Uh, and we hear spirit Roku say, I moved on to the earth kingdom. My earthbending master was Sud, an uncompromising stutter stubborn and blunt 
uh, and a lifelong friend, um, which I found interesting because that was one of the things we talked about in Aang's journey is the different kinds of teachers mm-hmm. that he encounters. And, um, you know, his earthbending teacher was somebody who was uh, eventually became a friend, but it sounds like was hard on him, was difficult for him um, and stubborn in, in the ways he teaches, not unlike Toph, maybe. Right, exactly. All three of those words apply to her. Right. Uh, and we see the two of them racing up this mountain on slabs of earth and they're s- swinging their arms like speed skaters. And uh, when we see Sud reach the top, he celebrates, assuming he's one, only to see Roku seated on the top in a kind of a one-legged yoga pose and he's pouring two cups of tea. And Roku says, uh, Spirit Roku says, it was bitter work, but the results were worth it. And then we see Roku standing on this sandy beach and he's bending all four elements in different directions. Um, Bitter work. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not to like belabor the connection too much, but like the person who brings up friendship as being as transcending relations or uh, transcending generations is Toph at the end. Like she really sticks on that. And we know like from from Aang's first vision of her in the jungle, it's like, this is somebody who's going to be really important to him. Mm -hmm. Now I will say we talked, I I talked about traps things, stories like this can get into as we move towards end game. And there is a star Wars trap here. Um, And I, I love star Wars, but there is a trap that especially the last three trilogy, the last three films, the, the third trilogy fell into and actually you could think of all of star wars as having a little bit of this trap uh and 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 i will say this episode doesn't fully answer this question but it makes me worry a little bit that like the trap is that it turns out everyone is closely related because what's great what's great about the original star wars uh, a new hope is that it's like luke is this character who lives in this desert planet in the you know as far from you could be as he could be from like the center of the action that's happening and he encounters obi-wan this jedi and he encounters prince leia and he encounters you know han and all you know and it's just like it's like these people are kind of they come together and it's really interesting but then as you learn more it's like oh wait that's his sister and this is the this and this is his father and it's like there your mileage may vary on that but like i I don't want this to become a thing where it's like, it turns out everybody's actually related and we're just sort of playing out this very small story about these people because that kills world bending oh, or yeah. uh, world building. Sorry. World, world bending. Yeah. World building because all of a sudden it's like, well, actually it's just these like six relationships that matter. And they've, they've been the things that mattered for centuries, you know? Yeah. And, and you have, you already have that a little bit with the fact that Aang is this, character who's lived over a long period of time and is reincarnated i don't want my fear is that we're going to slip into more of that and so i I, this makes me worried whenever you see indications Mm. that that might might point to that and even that friendships left lasting over lifetimes points to a potential trap now i don't think it's there but but it is something that i get worried about because the fact of the matter is it's really hard to end a story yeah Starting a story, setting up the big questions, setting up the tensions is 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 one thing, but ending it is another. So I, I my guard is up a little bit, and it's going to be pushed a little bit further as we get f- 
farther in this episode. I'm going to say I love where this episode goes, but <laughs> it is something that worries me a little bit. Yes. No, I could see that. But it, they spent so much time building this beautiful world and then to collapse it with that trap would be a shame. Yeah. Yep. So I, I hope they don't. Um, so we cut back to Zuko and he's still reading in the catacombs and we hear Sozin's voice pick up the narration now. It says, 12 long years passed before, before I saw my friend again. When Roku returned, he was a fully realized avatar and I had changed as well. So I also love that this is giving us a lot of passage of time. Mm. So it's basically Aang's age is what is the amount of time that Roku was gone training. Mm -hmm. So Sozin says that he's changed as well. And we cut to the fire Lord's throne room and Sozin is now on the throne and Roku approaches and says, Sozin, or should I say fire Lord? And we see Sozin in a very like serious kind of gruff way. Say customarily, my subjects bow before greeting me. And you just get this this moment because he just said, I have changed. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, is there a problem here? And then he stands up and walks up and says, but you're the exception. And the two friends embrace. Now, this is also a Star Wars moment. Um, this is from Return of the Jedi or uh, Empire Strikes Back when they when Han and Leia and, and Chewbacca go to cloud city and they're going to meet lando and the first time first thing lando says he's sort of like it takes a lot of nerve coming like you seem like he's <laughs> going to be angry and then they embrace and he's like and it's like oh okay it's like like they give you that little false setup so mm -hmm. uh, i i appreciated the uh the, the star wars moment there so the two friends embrace and we see uh spirits ang and roku looking on so spirit roku says after all these years he was still my best friend and a few months later, he was by my best man. So we jumped to Roku's wedding to the girl that he had had the crush on. And Aang points out that it was the girl who didn't even know he was alive. And Roku says, Tamin, which is her name. I was persistent. When love is real, it finds a way. And being the avatar doesn't hurt your chances with the ladies either. <laughs> so now we're seeing Roku give Aang advice about sort of matters of the heart. <laughs> and uh, yeah maybe i wonder how many of the previous avatars have have had romantic relationships like that too like if you're i mean you're right in saying like all of these struggles are because they're the avatar but also because they're the same person just reincarnated so it's like do they all have this struggle do some end in different ways like why is that the case is it because of like cultural upbringing that would be like no, you must be more altruistic or like, no, no, it's okay for you to have an independent life from like this role of avatar. Like it, I wonder if it lines up with culture. That's really interesting to think about. Yeah. Like, like does, um, does Kiyoshi have, uh, an unrequited love? Does she mm -hmm. have, like, we don't know. Like that's, or, or, or requited for that matter. Um, yeah. but like, like I would be, it's hard. It's so interesting because, like, I keep saying I want all of that, but then, like, I don't know that if I got it, I would be happy. <laughs> right. But like, but I definitely have this yearning for it to be this this history that you can keep diving uh, diving into. Mm. So we see uh, we cut back to Zuko reading, and now again we're in Sozin's voice, uh, and he says, "On wedding days, we look to the future with optimism and joy." 
but I had my own vision for a brighter future. And we see Sozin uh, take Roku away from the wedding feast uh, and the two friends walk and talk. Um, and Sozin says, I've been thinking hard about the state of the world lately. And Roku says, Sozin, it's my wedding. Have a cookie. Dance with someone. Lighten up. And Sozin says, which, which is interesting because like you think of the avatar I tend to think of the after, especially old Roku, who we know as this like very serious person. Right. And here is somebody coming to him with a very serious conversation. And he's like, not really the time. This is some, <laughs> like this, not today. Right. Um, it was very Aang like of him. Yes. <laughs> and Sozin says, just hear me out. Right from the start, I was destined to be fire Lord. And although we didn't always know it, you were destined to be the avatar. It's an amazing stroke of fate. We know each other so well, isn't it? Together we could do anything. And we see Roku seem a little concerned about this. Now, this led me to think about what I think is actually one of the huge questions in this episode, and maybe for the show in general, which is, we know about the religion of this world in terms of the spirit world and how there are all these spirits who seem benevolent, malevolent, neutral. But is there something else guiding this? Now, I, I, I don't want to overstate this, but I don't have, I'm going to use the, the terminology I have. Like, is there a God in this world who is the, who is like shaping these destiny or, and fate, or are there gods who are doing this? Cause I don't know that the spirits are the same thing as that. Um, right. So like, like when he says it was an amazing stroke of fate or is it just random? Is it, mm. is it a random chance? So like when Roku was born on that day and his destiny, he was the reincarnation of the avatar. Could it have equally have been Sozin or like, is it, is it this random chance or is there something guiding this story? Is there a, uh, uh, a being a, a more powerful being who placed the spirit of the avatar into Roku realizing, Oh, this, this is the fire Lord. This is a person who will be close to the fire. Like, is there something guiding this? And is that thing guiding it malevolent, mm. benevolent or neutral? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it, it's a question that I think comes up kind of through like, at least with, the fortune teller and with like skeptical Sokka and like these ideas of destiny and fate, like it seems like it's a given, uh, but you do have people who are pushing against some of that too. So I like, don't even know that there's really an answer or maybe yeah. we'll get some kind of answer to it. But like, yeah. I'm, I don't, and I think, I think another interesting question is like, if there's no answer, then why do we gravitate towards one or the other? Like, I don't know. I, I I like the idea that there's fate and destiny. I'm a religious person, so I think like it fits well with me, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm firmly convinced that we're not going to get an answer to that question. Nor do I particularly want to see somebody <laughs> try to answer it. But I can't help but watching this and think about the question, and I think it's a good, interesting question. Like, mm. um, because there is so so much of this episode is about the fact that these two people who knew each other were um 
put into this position and we're going to see how important their relationship is to the the broader history of this world mm-hmm. likewise we see in episode one of this show ang and katara brought together and like yeah. was that also random chance or was that again the uh the the, the hand of some superior being bringing these two people together like the so so like i think again i don't think we're going to get an answer and i don't necessarily want it but i find it um i find that a fascinating question to think about mm-hmm. so uh sozin continues he says our nation is enjoying an unprecedented time of peace and wealth our people are happy we are so fortunate in so many ways i've been thinking we should share this prosperity with the rest of the world. So far, how does this sound? Good. It mm-hmm. also reminds me a little bit of Azula. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> manipulating things for her audience. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing the birth of propaganda here. Yeah. But but it, 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 it's, it's interesting because it sounds benevolent so far. It sounds right. like like things are going really well for us we should find ways to share this with the world, share this prosperity, uh, share this wealth, this peace, this happiness. And it's like, okay. Um, the next thing he says is in our hands uh, is the most successful empire in history. It's time we expanded it. Mm. So we make a little turn there and say, oh, that's what you mean by... <laughs> It, it's not sharing the prosperity. It is, it is um, generously put, sharing your culture. <laughs> but it's right. expanding your influence is what he's really saying there. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, like, like I, found, I find that so interesting, um, not just what people are saying, but how they're saying it, how they're yeah. convincing themselves of it. And I actually, again, up to this point, Sozin seems pretty great. Right, I mean, like young Sozin, and we see that even the first time we see Sozin as Fire Lord, like he embraces Roku, and it's like, oh, good old Sozin. And now you're like, well, is he just misguided? Like, does he actually believe the benevolent stuff he's saying, or is this somebody saying, I am going to plot to dominate the world? Well, right. it's hard to say right now. Right. It makes me think, too, about how this connects to 20th century history, specifically in East Asia, and the idea that, like, Japan is a rising power. It sees itself as um, qualitatively different than other East Asian neighbors, and therefore we should conquer to make them more civilized. And it's like that narrative of, I mean, right, like any kind of imperialism ever, right? Like colonialism in general is this like conquering and you, you, you couch it in manifest destiny or you couch it in this benevolence that, that is not mm-hmm. accurate at all. Uh, and again, it's a kid's show. <laughs> right, right. Like, wild. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and and it doesn't forgive it to say, well, he has the best of intentions, but it is interesting to be like, mm-hmm. well, it's it's that they are framing this in terms of, if we're being charitable to Sozin, that he actually does have maybe 
the best of intentions, but doesn't actually understand what he's saying means right. in reality. Right. The implications. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because it would have been easier to just be like, this guy's pure evil and he wants power and wants to expand his power. Well, we're at least seeing um, in his mind, we're seeing, cause this is, this is Sozin's account of this. We're seeing how he's thinking about this. Right. Uh, Roku's response is uh, no, the four nations are meant to be just that four. Uh, Sozin says, Roku, you haven't even stopped to consider the possibilities. And Roku says, there are no possibilities. This is the last I want to hear about this. And he walks away. Which is interesting because here we're seeing Roku wield his power as Avatar. And I, for the rest of this episode, I could not help but think about um, questions of church and state. Uh, because... And I'll, I'm going to frame this in terms of Western history because that's something I'm more familiar with. But like, so much of this feels like medieval struggles between popes and kings. Mm. You know that that Roku is functionally the pope of this world, right? That he is the head of the this. It's not a religion, but kind of right. Like everybody, everybody agrees on that, no matter where you're from. That like, well, the Avatar is the Avatar, and the Avatar has this particular role, and it represents this 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 greater thing and here we're seeing roku wield power over sozin and just be like no this idea is not happening this is the last i'm going to say about this with the assumption that my word goes mm -hmm. um which is fascinating yeah i hadn't thought about it like that before. like like pope pope like <laughs> I mean, yeah totally. I mean, to say like, yeah, you can, you can run your kingdom. Yes. The way you want to, except for if you step out of line, I like, I have the ultimate say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, from here we see, uh, spirit Roku says that was my first real test as the avatar. Unfortunately, it was many years before I learned that Sozin had gone ahead with his plan, despite my warning. So we see Roku's red dragon flying to an earth nation port city. And we follow the path up to the walled city and see that its earth insignia is covered over with a huge Fire Nation flag. The same way we saw at Omashu, where they had this enormous banner uh, over the walls of the city. So we cut to Roku walking into Sozin's throne room. And this is now years later. They're, they, they, they're older at this point. He says, I've seen the colony, Sozin. How dare you occupy Earth Kingdom territory? And Sozin says, how dare you, a citizen of the Fire Nation, address your Fire Lord in this way? Your loyalty is to our nation first. Anything less makes you a traitor. Now, this is where, again, I, 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 uh, to go back to this idea of sort of medieval church and state, you know, this is, this is what the investiture controversy is about. This is what Henry II um, and Thomas Beckett is about. This is what the Great Schism is about. It's like... Ultimately, where does your loyalty lie? Does your loyal? I mean, so you think about um, Thomas Beckett. Uh, this is in the 12th century, I think, uh, in England. Is uh, the best friend of the king? Okay, just like this. Uh, Beckett is a named Lord Chancellor of England, which is the highest. It's like Prime Minister, right? It's the highest mm -hmm. posi political position under the king. But he's also named by the king 
uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, which is the highest religious position within England. And the, there's a, there's a great 1968 movie that won Best Picture uh, called Beckett, um, and it's all about his uh, was it 60 and it's early 64 maybe or somewhere around there. Um, it's all about this struggle of like there is a uh, a priest who commits a no excuse me a nobleman who kills a priest and there's this question of where does that nobleman get tried? Does he get tried in the in the mm. courts of the of England or in the courts of the church because he kills he kills a priest and it's it becomes this tension of these two people who were best friends now one of them represents the church and the other is the king and there is this sense of like where does Beckett's honor lie does it lie with England or does it lie with the church and it's like this we're seeing that kind of play out so it's actually kind of a perfect vision of this because there is this blending together of church and politics um, so, so this, I love stories like that. And I love sort of thinking through the tensions there. And this just is just laid out perfectly. So Roku says, don't challenge me. It will only end badly. It's over. And we see Roku walk away, um, which is, which is quite a threat, <laughs> right? Like don't <laughs> challenge me. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, we're done talking. Yes. Yeah, This is done. So we see, uh, as he's walking away, Sozin jumps down and firebends at Roku. But Roku, I think, like like when we see the fire dissipate, we see nothing there. And then Roku like earthbends up behind Sozin through the ground and blasts him with airbending. And he raises him up to the ceiling on a pillar of earth. So he's just, Sozin's just sort of hanging there by this pillar. Roku then goes into the avatar state and destroys the throne room entirely. Uh, and then he goes up to Sozin kind of on a whirlwind. So that, so Sozin's hanging from this rock pillar and, and Roku's talking to him and he says, I'm sparing you Sozin. I'm letting you go in the name of our past friendship, but I warn you even a single step out of line will result in your permanent end. So we're seeing mercy, but we're also seeing this threat too, to say like, like let's not forget where the real power lies. Yeah. Um, which is crazy to think about Roku is Aang. Cause we can, cause we see young Aang and young Roku and we're like, yeah, I see that. <laughs> okay. You know, like this is, it's interesting to think like Aang has a lot of maturing to do too. And, and, and so it's interesting to think kind of how he, cause, cause when we see like Kiyoshi wield power, like it's kind of a scary thing, right? you know, and Roku wield power. It's kind of a scary thing. Like, can you imagine 70 year old ang <laughs> you know <laughs> right right yeah it's i i almost don't want it either i just kind of right. want ang to stay in his in his youthful innocence and fun and to not to not have to take on that burden which i suppose maybe is why they don't tell it to people until they're a little bit older exactly exactly so we have this this sort of th- this moment and then we cut to an exterior of Roku's home at night. And we see spirit Roku say, uh, Sozin and I didn't speak to each other for 25 years after our battle. So again, we have this huge jump of time, 25 years. Um, they haven't been in contact. I spent most of my spare time here at my home. And we see Roku in bed um, and his wife is next to him. And he hears an explosion and, and he and his wife jump up 
and they go out to see ash raining from the sky and roku leads everyone in the household um out and we see lava flowing from a volcanic mountain uh that they're that the village is underneath and everyone flees on ships while roku stays back to try to stop the volcano's destruction of the village now i loved this choice because when it first happens and you see you're seeing kind of fire rain down kind of out the window you're hearing this explosion what did you first think was happening it's sozin yeah, I, I, that's exactly yeah. what I thought. Because it feels like those fire navy ships that that throw the like the big balls of fire, and I was like, Sozin's attacking Roku. It's such a brilliant move to say, no, no, this is just a natural disaster. This is this is random, right? Like, like they're like nobody is pulling the levers on volcanoes, unless there is. Again, we go back to that superior <laughs> being thing, but it's like. It is just this natural disaster causing us. I was so happy that it wasn't Sozin deciding to attack Roku or that this wasn't the the night of the comet or something like that. Right, right. So, uh, so Roku's trying to hold back the destruction of the village. We cut to Sozin who's watching this volcanic eruption uh, on the distant horizon of the sea. And we hear uh, Roku's, or excuse me, Sozin's voiceover say, Roku's island was a hundred miles away, but I could still feel it rumbling and see the black plume of smoke. I had never seen anything like this catastrophe. Can I, okay. I want to think about this and maybe it's better to talk about it kind of at the end, but when we heard from Azula, the story of what happened, she like gave the, the textbook answer, right? Mm -hmm. Like she was being quizzed in class and it's like, he secretly plans for invasions. So is it. Uh-huh. Um, so he's secretly planning for these invasions this whole time. Like she didn't really say when, but she said like as he was getting older, right? And then you have Roku who's sitting, like he's living his life. Like he's having a family. He's on this island. Natural disaster happens. That's kind of what brings these two forces back together. Is it like, is Roku neglecting his job because he's not watching this? Like it's like, he's a hundred miles away from the palace. That's a lot of trust to put in like your threat against Sozin. You know what I mean? It just, it feels like a problem. Uh, Well, I would say uh, the one thing I would say to defend Roku is we don't know what else, what other avatar stuff he's up to. Because right. he says, in my spare time, I would st- I spent it here. I presume he's traveling the world, trying to keep a balance. Like we don't know what's happening happening geopolitically anywhere else. Yeah, I guess we you don't know? really know like what avatars do in like a time of relative peace. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. What is I, their role? Maybe really important stuff. Maybe there's really important stuff you do yeah. to keep balance, to keep things from getting out of hand. Now, right. Is he neglecting his job? If you asked Roku, he would say yes. I mean, this is what he said to Aang in um, in the first episode of this season. He says, "It's basically, it's not your fault, it's mine. I let this happen. This happened on my watch. So, yeah, I think he absolutely, you know, was like, like I, I, thought, I thought I handled this, but it turns out I didn't. Now, yeah. 
what is the regret? Is the regret that he didn't end Sozin right there? Right. I mean, like that's that's the that's the unspoken thing is like, what should he have done? Yeah, and what were past avatars telling him to do? Or I just and I don't know that this is anything. It could just be me really getting hung up on one idea, but the idea that he did choose to like have a family feels like it could be a conflict of interest <laughs> or like it could, it feels like that could be a complication that could have distracted. And like, if, if this whole time we've been led to believe by hearing Aang that like, he can't choose that life for himself. Like there's gotta be a reason where that comes from. Right. Like, I don't know. Potentially. Yeah. And, and, and again, the whole thing about, that he being told that he sh- uh, would have to give up earthly possessions and things like that. It, it does seem weird that he has a, this fairly domestic life. Right? Like, it seems like life's pretty fun. Like, it's not yeah. really in want. And so so we, we are anti-family and marriage for, for avatars. <laughs> no. that's, where, that's where we're coming down on this, it sure sounds Absolutely like. Absolutely no, but I just wonder if, like, that's how that could be interpreted to you. Like, I right. wonder if that's maybe why people push back so much on Aang. Maybe when he grew up too, like under the monks, it was like, no, 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 you choose to deny yourself all of that or the guru or these people that have seen this kind of like play out in the past to be yeah. like, that's maybe one reason why they're so harsh on him in that way. I don't know. And maybe I'm yeah. just building a history that's not there. <laughs> well, I think you raise a good question because because the the question is what was he doing that led him to neglect the threat that he was aware of? Right. Was he like fixing really big problems? Was he getting cats off of trees? Like who? What? What is his job? <laughs> or is it a different relationship issue? Is it that he really did think that Sozin would do what he told him to do? Yeah. Because of their history. Yeah. Maybe it's just a know. love story. <laughs> just a sad love story. <laughs> so, uh, we cut back to the island erupting. We see Roku earthbend a wall to try to keep the lava at bay, but the volcano continues to erupt with an overwhelming amount of lava. Um, and it's such a great callback to the fortune teller. Because we've actually seen Aang do this, stop a mm. volcano. Um, now, what's interesting is uh, Spirit Aang says, this is amazing, Roku. You're battling a volcano and you're winning. Now, I'm going to make another case for maybe where Roku goes astray. Mm. Um, when we see Roku fighting the volcano, who's he doing it with? His dragon. At, well, at this but point. he sends him away, yeah. right? At yeah. this point, he's doing it himself, right? Yeah. When Aang fights, fights a volcano, who mm. does he fight it with? His with friends. his friends, right? That yeah. that he has he has people with him to do this, right? And maybe how different would it be if if instead of it being Sozin and Roku in this battle of power against each other if he could have embraced Sozin not Sozin's plan but but Sozin to be like yes your 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 pitch is that we use this fact that we are basically two of the most powerful people in the world to spread the fire empire what if instead he said what if we used our power 
to do something else. You yeah. know, he doesn't, he, there is no counter pitch. Instead, he's just, he just tries to wield his power over his friend and says, no. And that's the last I'm going to say of yeah. this, you know, that, that, because what's interesting is, um, the advice that Boomy gives Aang is how important his friends are going to be. Right. right? Um, and how the, they, they have an important role to play where Roku does try to do things on his own. Right. Hmm. And like any like ancient tragedy or, or, you know, like any tragic event in literature and theater, it's like, especially in the ancient world, it's like you, you move against fate and fate will catch up with you. And Mm -hmm. it's like this whole time, it feels as though Sozin is the one with the wrong understanding of their destiny, but like both of them probably misinterpreted or, or missed an opportunity or ran counter to fate. And that's what ended with such a tragic event, right? Like they could have worked together. Like you were saying, they maybe they were born the same day. They were born in the same place. Right. Yes. And maybe if we're getting to, okay, we're, we are far afield in terms of speculation, but I'm into this. (laughs) Maybe if there is this, it will even call it a benevolent force that put them in these positions, right? Maybe fate is benevolent, but maybe they also have free will. And fate was like, I'm going to put these two powerful people together and give them an opportunity. And instead, Mm -hmm. although we looked at them as young people and were like, isn't it great that they're like friends and this doesn't become an issue. It becomes an issue because they have competing views of the world. And instead of listening to each other, they just, it just became a, a power struggle. Yeah, and they go their own way. Yeah, yep. yeah. Wow, it's 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 very interesting to think about this as kind of a. I mean, obviously, it's not an original sin moment, but it is sort of this. This story is full of a lot of like sins of the father kind of things, you know, and and this feels like like kind of a big one. Yeah. Um. So uh, we see. So Aang talks about how you know you're fighting a volcano and you're winning, and Roku says, "Unfortunately, my success didn't last." There's no way I could do it all. The volcano erupts again. Roku flies and airbends his breath to cool the lava into rock. We see Roku battling. Uh, Roku says battling elements. The elements was hard enough. I had to do it while I could barely breathe. The poisonous volcanic gases were overwhelming. And we see Roku's red dragon, who finally has a name. We find out that its name, if name is Fang. Uh, tries to fly up to rescue him, but Roku kind of waves him off and tells him that he'll be fine and he should get out. Mm. And then Roku goes for just a moment into the Avatar state and creates a new hole in the side of the volcano to redirect the lava. Then we see another eruption site on the island burst up and Roku looks defeated at this point. That It's like there's just too much. And suddenly, Sozin appears on his flying dragon which is a blue dragon. Now we've seen red and blue dragons before. Have we not? Yes. In Zuko's dream when he was having his like fever dream. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and we see them as these two competing aspects of himself. 
mm-hmm. you know, about like what his this this is setting up sort of crossroads of destiny stuff. Yes, because we, at that time we were like, oh, the one dragon is like Iroh and the other dragon is like Azula, but it's like mm-hmm. so much more than that. <laughs> right. And it's and it's important that uh Azula was the blue dragon and mm-hmm. Iroh was the red dragon. The the blue dragon was was uh, the one that was sort of leading to his destruction, you yes. know, and kind of telling him to kind of give into this disease and yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sozin flies up on his blue dragon and says, need a hand old friend. There's not a moment to waste. And we see Roku and Sozin um, bending to redirect the heat of the volcano. I'm doing my best to try to describe <laughs> crazy stuff that's going on. And I asked myself, is this fire bending? Like it's, it, it's like, they're not bending. It's, and we clearly see Sozin doing this. He's not bending fire. It's like, he's redirecting the heat. It looks like air bending. If I'm being honest. Right. It seems like way too close to air bending or it's like, mm, this is kind of convenient. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, but, but yeah, like it's the heat, I guess, in the air that he's bending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we see Roku's wife and the household watching from the boats in the water uh, and the earth beneath so- Sozin breaks and he starts to fall into the volcano and Roku turns and earth bends a bridge for him so he can get his footing, basically saving his life. And this is a, uh, I think a great callback to Roku on the stairs at the beginning where mm-hmm. Roku starts to fall and Sozin saves him. The stakes are much higher here, but, but we see Roku kind of return that favor. Um, as they run together, Roku warns Sozin not to breathe the toxic gas, but then a burst of gas shoots up from the ground and blasts Roku in the face. He coughs and he's unable to breathe and his eyes start to go blurry. He says, it's too much. And Roku falls to his knees and reaches out to Sozin and says, please. Mm-hmm. And Sozin looks at him and he says, without you, all of my plans are suddenly possible. I have a vision for the future, Roku. And he sees his blue dragon fly up and Sozin gets on, leaving Roku behind to die. And we see Fang fly up and encircles Roku and they're both encased in lava at this point. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Well, it, it's, it's such a, I mean, it's, it's a dark moment to think that, that, I mean, we talked about, this is a show where characters die. We obviously know Roku's dead, but to watch him be abandoned by, um, be abandoned yeah. by Sozin, Sozin, clearly has this moment to show mercy and save his friend. I mean, it's, it's what, it's what Roku did before, right? Like Roku says, I am, I am, I am going to show you mercy because of our friendship. Sozin has that same opportunity and basically says, I'm going to let you die here and I'm going to go do, I'm going to go do my plans. Yeah. Yeah. I do think now that we've talked about it, it's interesting in light of like <laughs> this sin we created that maybe is not a part of the series, but this idea of like having people with you versus doing things alone. And that it's so crushing in this whole last description by um, Roku, where the things that he's saying to Aang is there's no way I could do it all. 
and then as he's inhaling the the gases he's like it's too much and it's like those things are happening in the moment right like it's it's these elements are too much it's this whatever he's breathing in or facing is like physically too much but it's also like he got himself into such a place where it's like he could not do this all alone and then to have the one lifeline just cut you it's Mm -hmm. oh it's so rough it's so well and it's interesting too because what part of what we're seeing here is that the role of of being the avatar as this solitary figure is too much Mm. it's too much on your own so what does that imply it implies the avatar needs friendships and relationships Mm. so to go back on this idea of like was his mistake that he had these other relations that he had this family relationships like Maybe that's actually not the mistake. Maybe the lesson is you actually need those things and yeah. you need to rely on, on, on other people. Maybe the mistake is that he, that he thought he could do this all on his own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what if monkey Yatsu is with him here? Right. You know, what if like, like there, there are, there are other ways that, that, uh, Roku could have had his, his gang like, too. Yeah. Yes, Sud, the the Earthbender, like he has his crew too, but for some reason they're not really his crew. <laughs> right, right. So as we as we see Roku encased in lava and dying, we cut to the Air Temple, where we hear a newborn baby's cry, and we see Baby Ang, and we realize, oh, this is this is the spirit of Roku passing on to Ang, um, which again makes you think about the fact that Sozin and Roku born on the same day, it's like mm-hmm. whoever came before who knows like, like how that's how that gets determined. Um, and Roku spirit Roku says to Aang, make sense of our past Aang and you will bring, bring peace and restore balance in the world. And we see Roku fade away and Aang wa- kind of walks into this white light. So this is, this seems like a major mission statement job description moment for ang makes sense out of our past and you will bring bring peace and restore balance to the world mm. um now i feel like we've in this episode spent a lot of time trying to make sense out of this past um and and there's maybe a little bit more to come here but um i think that's a, a notion we should hold on to going forward uh because because yeah. roku who is fond of giving ang pieces of the job description has now given him a specific task right? to say, I have shown you this because this is going to be the key to whatever the end of this is. Yeah. So from here, we cut to Zuko who's still reading in the catacombs uh, and, and, and he reads Sozin's writings with Roku gone and the great comet returning. The timing was perfect to change the world. I knew the next avatar would be born Uh, as an air nomad, so I wiped out the air temples. But somehow, the new avatar eluded me. I wasted the remainder of my life searching in vain. I know he's hiding out there somewhere. The Fire Nation's greatest threat, the last airbender. And we see a Fire Navy ship sailing across the frozen sea, and we pan down under the water to reveal the boy in the iceberg. Mm. Uh, thoughts on that? Well, the ne- so Zuko's next line is like 
he's like, where's the rest of it? Like, this can't be the end, right? And that is all we're left with. That's his last testament mm-hmm. is I have this thing that I couldn't obtain. And it's like this this destiny that he thinks he has to like destroy the air, the avatar is now what his grandchild is like bearing as a burden. Uh, so that's interesting. But I also wanted to think about it in like in terms of from the original scroll that Zuko got, it said it's his demise. And like, what is the demise? I think that like, that's the big question for both of the shared past of Roku and Sozin is like, what was their mistake? And then you have to learn from that mistake, right? So like the tragedy for Sozin, like you said, it's like he starts, he opens up with like, my life is dim. It used to be bright. When it was bright, was that when he was with his friend and when he was, like when things were good or did he see it as the brightness is when I had everything in my grasp and then uh, I made one crucial mistake and it's, I didn't kill every airbender. Right. Or like right. somehow evaded me. So it's like, he needs to, fi- I don't know. I have so many questions about how he would answer that versus what is actually his demise. I also think about the story that Azula told at the beginning where he was, yeah. she was like, he was successful. He was happy. He was ancient. He lived a long time. When he thinks about his last days, he says, I wasted the remainder of my life searching in vain. Yeah. Okay. And what is he searching for? He's searching for the avatar. He's searching for Aang. He's searching for his friend. He's searching for his friend that he lost. He's searching for that thing he had in his childhood. There's a degree to which this has become Citizen Kane at this point, right? <laughs> and like Aang, the avatar is Rosebud, right? It's this thing that he lost and can't get back. Now that's an overstatement, but it's also not. Like, right, like that, that, that this, this is the words of an old man who's looking back on his life with regret, even though the official story, the story that gets passed down is about his success and, and his prosperity and all this stuff. And he gets to the end of his life. And I mean, what is the, what is the thing on his, this is, this is citizen gain. What is the thing on his mind? It's this thing that he lost and can't get back this friendship that he destroyed. Right. And right. It's like citizen Kane. It's also like, breakfast club zuko it's like somebody sitting at the fire saying i'm so angry i'm so upset i have everything i've ever wanted and yet i i'm so mad all of the time and it's like there's something that is beyond just conquest and like possession and fame and having your father's (laughs) acceptance of you right Mm -hmm. like beyond any of that there's something that is eating away inside of them and it's maybe the fact that he betrayed right like he meaning sozin betrayed his friend and betrayed the four the four kingdoms <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's so interesting and uh, just to, to to add another layer to this so uh we're recording this on uh, may 28th this isn't going to come out till july but um yesterday we recorded an episode of video store on an orson welles movie called chimes at midnight um oh. which is which is a, a shakespearean adaptation about um, Falstaff and um, and Henry V, or the oh. Prince Hal who becomes Henry V, and it is about somebody who becomes king and betrays his friends from before, like like basically discards his old friends in his old life and becomes this other thing. And it's like wow, like all 
every story is the same story to a certain degree. Like, like it, it's, it's so fascinating. Now it's now I will say those are not the same stories because there is, I mean, Roku is not Falstaff or anything like that. And, and, and Sozin is not Falstaff, but both of them kind of reject this thing that re- reject this, this friend as they elevate in, in power in these kind of ways. So it's like, they're they're both doubling Henry V. They're both both Henry and Falstaff. Although again, they're not really like Falstaff. But but I think that's it's so interesting that that all these things sort of feel like they're converging uh, yeah. in in certain ways. I'm fascinated by the questions that this story raises, and so it's important that Zuko ends with a question: This can't be it. Where's the rest of it? Right. So uh, we cut from here to Zuko going to the prison. Uh, where Iroh is kept. And he goes there to confront Iroh. And Zuko says, as the scroll, he says, you sent this, didn't you? Uh, Which, by the way, should be renamed the history most people already know. The note said I needed to know about my great-grandfather's death, but he was still alive in the end. So Zuko's like, I don't get it. Now, one thing I wonder is like, how did Iroh get this message sent to Zuko? Hmm. Yeah. He's pretty closely guarded in prison. Is this some White Lotus stuff? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I like it. So so I so anyhow, Zuko says uh says the note said I need to know about my great grandfather's death, but he was still alive in the end. And Iroh says, No, he wasn't. And Zuko says, What are you talking about? Iroh says, You have more than one great grandfather, Prince Zuko. Sozin was your father's grandfather. Your mother's grandfather was Avatar Roku. And Zuko says, why are you telling me this? And Iroh says, because understanding the struggle between your two great grandfathers can help you better, better understand the battle within yourself. Evil and good are always at war inside of you. It's your nature. It's your legacy. But there's a bright side. What happened generations ago can be resolved now by you. Because of your legacy, you alone can cleanse the sins of our family and the Fire Nation. Born in you, along with this strife, is the power to restore balance to the world. So Iroh pulls a brick from, one of his, from his cell wall and takes out an object wrapped in cloth. And he says, this is a royal artifact. It's supposed to be worn by the crown prince. And Iroh reveals the crown given by Sozin to Roku. And Zuko takes it from Iroh. A lot just happened here. Yeah. Um, okay. So <laughs> I forgot that that was a part of Zuko's past. Sam, like this is a huge thing. And I did not remember it from my first viewing of the series. So I had like an, oh my gosh moment. And uh, it definitely makes that that original message so much more interesting when it's like, oh, he's talking about the demise of like kind of both grandfathers or, or right. grandfathers. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I love the if so much of, of this show has been about characters coming to terms with their identity, coming to terms with their destiny and um and Iroh sort of lays this out, right? That there is, and we've already known this, that there is this sort of evil and good at battle and at that battle inside of him. But then what's interesting is we talked about Aang getting a very specific job description 
Zuko gets one too here. I mean, this is <laughs> Iroh point blank says you alone can cleanse the sins of our family and the fire nation. Um, born in you with all this strife is the power to restore balance to the world. This is avatar stuff, right? <laughs> no like pressure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but, but like what he just described the restore balance to the world. That's the avatar's job. Right. But it's also the job of the avatar and his friends. Right. 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 And, and like so, it can't so just be just the avatar. It's too much. Right. So, so, you know, I think about, um, Roku saying make sense of our past and you will bring peace and restore balance to the world that it, it may mean it makes me think about in um, the chase you have this scene where you have all the different kinds of benders there you have um, you have Toph you have Aang you have Katara and you have Zuko and they're all working together against Azula and I wonder is that a foreshadowing to like that's where we're going to find balance is saying we have this avatar thing all wrong that we're thinking about. It's this one person, but actually it's this one person who both embodies all these kinds of bending, but then also embracing this sort of community around him as well. Like, are, are we going to end in a, in this sort of weird bending democ- democracy of people or council of people or society of white lotusy people who are like, this is actually the way we get balance back. Balance isn't yeah. about one person, but it's maybe about this bigger thing. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, that is totally a white Lotus thing. Right. And it's like, that's one of the big questions that I left with, which I guess we could talk about at the end of the episode, but it's like, is this kind of where the white Lotus begins is like people seeing this like Iroh and being like, this is not a task that can be done, be- done on its own. It requires everyone from, every like all of the four nations need to be involved it's a, it's about creating balance between all of us like essentially is the white lotus just like the avatar's friends like that he can right. call on you know like that that that's what i wonder about oh you know i'm gonna actually here's what i'm gonna speculate i'm gonna speculate that the white lo- because the avatar was gone for so long that the white lotus is a, is a society of powerful benders from all Powerful people, maybe not just benders, because I don't know. Like, mm. is um, is uh, Piandao? I don't know that he's a bender, right? But he's clearly part of this. Like the society of people who say, "Well, if there is no avatar, we need to do something to restore yeah. balance." So I'm wondering if this was created in the vacuum, which was created mm-hmm. by Aang's disappearance. Ooh, I like that a lot. That's so, gotta be it, right? If it's not, I'll be so sad. I really like that. I mean that 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 that's sort of my my assumption, and I would be very happy if that's where we if that's where we landed on this, because it's clear that Iroh has this experience that goes beyond just Fire Nation. So, like, I I, I yeah, I, I'd love to. I don't know, like like we're gonna learn this stuff at some point. Uh, but it is it's 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 fun to speculate about. Let's get to the end of this episode. So <laughs> yes. um so Zuko takes a crown from Iroh. We cut to Aang and the gang, and they're on Roku's island. And it's clear that Aang has just told them all of the stuff that he learned from Roku. Because uh, and Katara says, "You mean after all Roku and Sozin went through together, even after Roku showed him mercy, Sozin betrayed him like that." And Toph said, "It's like these people are born bad." And Aang says, "No, that's wrong." I don't think that was the point of what Roku showed me at all. 
Roku was just as much Fire Nation as Sozin was, right? If anything, their story proves anyone's capable of great good and great evil. Everyone, even the Fire Lord and the Fire Nation, have to be treated like they're worth giving a chance. I also think it was about friendships. And Toph says, do you really think friendships can last more than one lifetime? And Aang grabs Toph's hand and Katara grabs her other hand. And Aang says, I don't see why not. And Sokka says, well, scientifically speaking, there's no way to prove that. And Katara says, oh, Sokka, just hold hands. And he takes his sister's hand and the episode ends. So we have this, this other piece here where Aang is starting to process what it is that, that, that Roku told him. Um, and he has this idea that the, we can't look at the, this as a battle between good and evil as fire nation is evil and we need to fight against that. But he says that we have to think about the fire Lord and the fire nation of being treated worthy of giving a chance to, and we were sort of hinted at this in terms of the way we've now encountered the fire nation and we're starting to build allies even within the fire nation. Sam, I have so many thoughts and speculations. I feel like we could talk about this forever. I well, like, let, let, throw some of them out. Now we're we're at the end here, so I just have some questions. But I'm but I'm curious. Uh, you go first. Okay, so the sins of the family that is like Zuko's call to action that he has to cleanse them of. It's like there was it wasn't the sins of Sozin. It's like the sins of your family. So it's probably the sins of both his grandfather or great grandfathers. There's a question I have about. If we end on this idea of like, there's these competing parts of people, there's, you can be either, you can do great good or you can do great, ter- like bad mm-hmm. on earth. Is that also in Azula or, it, <laughs> I mean, she calls herself a monster. Like Azula has been pretty terrible from the start. We see like all the bad things about Sozin in that story, like reflect a lot of her cold calculating nature. But also like, is there a part of her that is redemptive too? Um, because it's her own grandparents, like it's her history, it's the sins of her family as well. Um, so that was one thing I thought about. Yeah, I, I, I had on my list how deep is the river of redemption? Like, yeah, like I mean, it's it's no great feat to say. Well, this is going to be a story where, whether it's sacrificial or whatever, where Zuko is going to be redeemed in this story. Because everything points to that, like that he's going to yeah. have redemptive moment. But how deep of a well, how deep of a river is that? Is that mm. that redemption yeah. for other people? Mm-hmm. And it seems as though everything in Azula has always been like she's always been striving for me, right? Like she's always been striving for her own glory, her own fame and power. And it's like, I don't know that we've ever really seen her do something that felt like it was for somebody else where we've seen Zuko do that before and kind of struggle with it um, as those parts of his personality or those parts of his past. Well, and, and uh, I would I would even think about it a different way. It's not just about are they redeemable, but mm. to whom will we see Aang as Avatar reach out the hand of grace? Mm. Will he reach it out to Zuko? Absolutely he will. Will he reach it out to Azula? Will he reach it out to Ozai? Like yeah. like how how far I mean, obviously with, with Iroh he will, 
because that's I feel like that bridge is already there, right? But but right. like 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 will will it will there be because he says not just the fire nation, but he says the fire lord needs to be is worthy of giving a chance to. Now does he yeah. mean Zuko when he says fire lord? Does he mean Azula when he says fire lord? I mean, I just coming to my head right now, like I could imagine uh between now and the end of this season that we get a sort of weird Macbeth like storyline uh where Azula convinces Zuko that they should make a play for the throne mm. and take out their father. Azula assuming that either that then Zuko becomes Fire Lord, but she'll be able to control him and then eventually she usurps him and becomes so like 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 when we talk about the Fire Lord and, and and extending grace, that doesn't necessarily mean we're extending it to Ozai. Ozai might be off the table by the end of this. It might be right. Zuko as Fire Lord. Oh yeah, for sure. Or Azula it's, as Fire Lord. Yeah, I think it's super important that they said that he said Fire Lord, not Fire Lord Ozai. Like, it's yeah. like it's very ambiguous. Yeah, um, I would love I would love a little Macbeth run here. It would be amazing. <laughs> I'd be in for it too. I also think like one thing that I keep forgetting and like it keeps coming back to me and I get equally shocked every time is that Aang and Zuko are related then. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps I like keep I keep thinking about it and being like shocked again. Like to think about how I mean, So how do you feel about that? Cuz cuz this is one of the other questions I had and and I think this is we don't have to come to a conclusion on this but I talked about the trap, right? The trap of like, okay, it turns out everybody's related. And so uh, I have some concern. Now I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board, but I, because they, they also did it in an interesting way where it's not relation is not genetic. It's spiritual relation because it's, mm. it's reincarnation relation. So it's actually, in some ways they're more closely related because it's like, Aang is not, it's not that both Aang and Zuko are related to Roku. Aang is Zuko's great grandfather. Like it, yeah. he is him. <laughs> like that is that's the part. It's not just that they're related; that he is Zuko's great grandfather is yeah. stunning to think about. Yeah, and like maybe that's where so much of the angst and hatred comes out of him too. Is like not specifically because of this thing with his dad and like destiny and whatever, but it's like much deeper than that that it's like generational hatred and like trauma i guess <laughs> right well and, and i um, could i could foresee another episode in to, to merge these things that we're talking about that they call the avatar and the fire lord now there isn't another episode called this where it is we now get zuko and and ang and and you know we get to this question of can friendships transcend over over lifetimes because if Zuko is Sozin and Aang is Roku, does that friendship there? Now we've already seen them save each other's lives in the blue spirit. So like mm -hmm. the seeds are planted for this, you know? Uh, and, and now we know that there is this deeper spiritual connection uh, uh, between them, uh, which, yeah. I have another speculation, Sam. Go for it. This one is a stretch, but stick with me. So, the crown, like the moving of that item seems really important to me. Maybe it's not, 
but like the fact that Sozin gave it to Roku and then somehow Iroh has it at the end and gives it to Zuko is like, wh where, how? Did that? Did we ever see the crown go back to Sozin? No. And is, so but oh, Roku's sorry, not wearing it by the end, is he? Right. So my, and it's like, it didn't end up in the destruction of their right. home. And Iroh was the crown prince. Yeah. So of course and he would have that artifact. Yeah, that makes sense. I was thinking, I was going a different way and I was going to try to create some strange uh, friendship or love story between Iroh's mom and, or sorry, Iroh and Zuko's mom, but <laughs> it could I mean, have been right. But, but, far, but at, at some far. point, at some point, yeah, who knows? Because we don't, we do, we actually don't know. We don't know if, um, uh, Roku's wife takes that when they flee. I don't yeah. remember seeing people carrying anything, but it's a pretty small object. Right. Yeah. Well, and by that, that time, they had had a family, like their kids were out, you know, like, I just oh, sure. it's one of those heirlooms that was passed down. And like, perhaps that's something that. Yeah. That you make a, you make had. a good point that that thing we don't, we see it come back at the end, but we don't ever see. It just sort of disappears partway through the story. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I also have another fear. Cause I just really, you know, like we talked about how this story is like very much about moms, like mm -hmm. moms that aren't there, but are very important. And I wonder if maybe she is like, she was a descendant of the avatar. Maybe she was a part of the white Lotus or like started the white Lotus. Like, I don't know. Like maybe that's a reason why she could have died. Like, or whatever happened to her. I don't really know if we ever figured it out. Right. Like she runs yeah. away or she dies or she's in prison, but whatever happens to her, like, does it surround some of that stuff too? And I like, so far we know. Yeah. It's so, yeah, go ahead. Right. Like there's just, there's so many things you could speculate there. So far we know there's a few, we know a few people that are in the white Lotus. They're all men. I would really like to see a woman in the white Lotus. If there's not one, I'm going to be really upset, but like, I guess it's maybe bigger than we realize, but I'm, yeah, it, I'm it's so tricky her. because I feel like we're also speculating a lot about the white <laughs> Lotus. So it's like, <laughs> right, we don't quite know what it is to then. And then we're trying to like put layers onto it, but I love I that know. idea. I, I, I love the the crown thing is something I didn't know. I didn't pay attention to, but you're right. That's a story that feels like, well, that's got to get told at some point. I was thinking, how did he get it into the prison cell? Not how did he get it? But you're right. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, it's yeah. It's so fascinating. So last question that I have, and maybe we can get out on this is what do the things learned from this by Aang mean for the invasion plan? Cause I feel like the invasion plan is everything's still in the works there. Does this change anything? Mm. Or really is, or does that, and then what's interesting is the invasion plan is happening separate from the Aang gang. Like, like Hakoda and Bato are collecting allies, preparing for this invasion. And then Aang is on this other path now. Right. And yeah. if he, and does this make him question the invasion at all? as the proper route to try to say, how do we bring balance? Maybe we don't bring balance. We don't meet an invasion with an invasion. Maybe we need to meet this with something else. 
So is there going to be a point where they need to try to see like, how can we get the people invading to understand that that's actually the thing they aren't supposed to do? Right. But is that, is that a force that they're able to stop? Right. So, yes, I, I'm so curious. Oh, uh, this, it's, this episode's great. It's so good. <laughs> because it raises uh, a thousand, thousand questions. There's so many things. Now, the other thing we know, I mean, this is, this is episode six. There's 14 episodes left. So there's not a lot of ground. Mm to answer all of the stuff that we're interested in. So like, there's a degree to which we're going to just kind of be, we're going to get what we get. And I think we're, there's just some stuff we're not going to know the answers to. Um, But I I love the questions and I love the, I love the fact that I feel like we're going to have some of this stuff addressed to some degree uh, as we go forward. And, and like I said, at the very beginning, this dis- just doesn't this just feel like we're pivoting towards now we're going to pretty soon get on the tracks which are going to take us through the rest of this story yes and i'm so excited uh well annie we should probably bring this episode to a close this is one of our our epic long long episodes um but i think i think it's worthwhile i think it's a, a, a one of the, it's it's one of the great episodes i think um and it's very different because it is history and exposition but i even feel like having talked about it with you i have an even greater appreciation for it um so that is all the time that we have uh for this week we will be back next week with book three fire chapter seven the runaway the runaway